Thank you for listening to We Have Ways of Making You Talk. Sign up to our Patreon to receive bonus content, live streams and our weekly newsletter with money off books and museum visits as well. Plus early access to all live show tickets. That's patreon.com slash we have ways. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. There's a firm takeoff at Alamein, and next to Brook with Salum, next Derna and Meckley, and then again Aguila, too. Where after rain, Sebchar allows no room, no room for wheels and tracks, no room. But true desert rats will never be tame. Short of armour between these four, or they'll find themselves on the go again, heading like smoke for Alamein to slam the Delta door, the door to bolt the Delta door. That was, of course, The Jabel Stakes, written in 1942 by Francis Tuca, friend of the show, um, uh, Major, Major oh, General good. in charge of the 4th Indian Division, summing up in uh, uh, his military doggerel his view of the, the situation that we are going to discuss in this episode as the first part of our El Alamein series for El Alamein Week. And before we can do triumph, we've got to do. We've, we, let's face it, we've got to, We've just got to take it on the chin, and we've got to do a little bit of it's disaster. Not going well, that. I mean, Eighth Army. Let, let, let's let you know if you're writing a history book. Eighth Army are very, very helpful in offering a narrative arc, aren't they? Just from first principles um, <laughs> to the to the writer who wants uh, triumph and then disaster, or you know, hubris and then uh, uh, re- redemption. It, um, the, the British Army's efforts in the desert in 1942 um, offer everything, don't they? Let's be honest, Jim. It's a yeah, they absolutely do. A, I mean, narrative the, arc. I mean, the, the situation is 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 this in, in yep. the last week of June. So that Tobruk falls on the 21st of June, and this is a terrible, terrible humiliation for Britain. It really is. And yeah, I've said it before. I'll say it again. Uh, for me, it is the nadir of the British Army in the Second World War. Yeah, in the West. And it's almost the nadir of the British Army in the Second World War, I think. Because I think in the Far East, you know, it's an Indian Army, isn't it, really? Uh, but, but even so, you know, that's a colonial <laughs> force and, you know, and it's kind of not it's badly equipped and all the rest. So you cannot say that 8th Army in May and June 1941 is badly equipped Yeah, compared to what it's coming up against. No. And the 3.7-inch heavy anti-aircraft guns that, that they could use if they wanted. Well, and it also knows it also it, it knows what it, it it knows what it's trying to achieve, um, and yeah. all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, and, and they've got Grant tanks, which are a match for the kind of very, very, very few Panzer IVs that the, yeah. the Germans have. 
Yeah. Um, you know, most of the Italian tanks are, are much worse than British tanks. Um, in terms yep. of troops, they're not in, in the minority. Yeah. It, it, it's bad leadership, bad method, bad motivation, and pretty rotten morale. So yes. from the 3M's bit, they just, they've just got it all wrong. And one of the difficulties is is that Eighth Army is a is a multinational force. It's got South Africans, as Australians are in Syria at that particular point. Mm. New Zealanders are waiting in the wings, but the South Africans, as there's Fourth Indian, there's Fifth Indian Division, there's the Free French. Um, you know, there's different people, different personalities. No one's really kind of you know grip is a big important word in the British Army in the Second World War, and there's no one really gripping the show. And, it, and it's made worse by the fact that, that Churchill is in Washington on a conference at the time yeah. when it happened. Uh, and, yeah. you know, the previous year they've held out and suddenly, you know, they've had this huge effort. There's been Crusader in November, December 1941. Um, then Rommel advances a little bit and takes back some of the, the, the gains that the British have made in the Crusader battle. And then there is this humiliating defeat um, where on paper the British absolutely should not have lost. They should have won. They should have smashed the... the, the Deutsche Africa Corps um, and well, and the Italians and Rommel's Panzer Army and and it's a, and it's a it's a really bad moment. And there's lots of there's lots of reasons why this is. I think one of those moments where actually things could have gone could have gone differently with a little bit a little bit more acumen at the top in the in the Eighth Army setup and and the British Army. And unfortunately, they don't. And the the cost is you then have to you then have to sort of start again. With Eighth Army, and you know, you'd rather not have to go through all that. It does, in the end, deliver as we said right at the start. You know, the narrative arc then delivers you this proper mm. victory at the Second Battle of El Alamein. But at this point, I mean, I think what's really, I mean, what's interesting is you know, because I wrote about Francis Tucker in my book. His analysis is that basically, there's no one any good um, uh, uh, fighting manoeuvre warfare in the British Army. It's not been encouraged. They're all really good at the desk work and all that sort of thing, and it, and but there's basically no one available apart from all, and he thinks apart from Orkinleck, no one available to the British Army at this point who's got the head for this situation. And Orkinleck, of course, has been booted upstairs and isn't isn't on the ground for what happens in the run up to Tobruk because it, there's there's a sort of that you know there's a morale paralysis and a command paralysis. And yes, the, but, the, but the morale paralysis comes out of the out of out of the command paralysis. I think. Yes, I no, I no, I I'd, I'd agree with that. But once, but once the la, once the morale problem has set in, it makes your command problems even more difficult, doesn't it? You've got to. Yes. You can have right people with the right ideas, but but basically, their their ability to persuade anyone of what they're trying to do just gets that much more difficult. And that's what there's this malaise, um, uh, at command and morale level in in um. Eighth Army at this point, and basically a tendency to get in your lorry and drive um, east. Yes, I, I think so. I, I, I think so. But I think it's it's you know the the, the failure, the, the the loss of Tobruk. The first big problem is that Orkinlet can't. You know, he has this huge command. So Middle East command yes. goes all the way out to Iran, includes yeah. Iran. It is absolutely vast in terms of sort of geographical distance. There's, there's nothing to equal it in size. I mean, well, Jim, and, we, and, and, we... he, and he's also, you know, he's absolutely looking over his shoulder at kind of German attempts to go into Syria or Iraq yeah. or something like that. So he's got well, to so, watch so we, that, and he's got to disperse his forces. Before we go any further, should we just say for those who just don't know the first thing about this? You know, a listener clapping their ears and the idea of 
the North. Why are the British and the Germans fighting each other in? Um, okay, uh, yeah. So shall I it, shall I do a very quick summary? Yeah, why not? I mean, well, you know, what what why is it that Libya, Egypt, why is this part of the world contested by the British and the Germans? What are the what on earth that you could say, given what Hitler's given Hitler's aims, which is to you know destroy Judeo Bolshevism in the Soviet Union and achieve hegemony on the European continent, and destroy the European Jewry, you know, if those are his war aims, yep. what, what on earth is he doing in North Africa? Okay, so so. So what happens is, is that the Pact of Steel that's, that's signed in, in, in May 1939, the whole point is that between Italy and Germany, yep. is that Italy will look after the South, um, that Nazi Germany's southern flank, so that Nazi Germany doesn't have to do it. It can, it can focus on sorting out its enemies in the West and sorting out, um, and eventually Liebensraum, getting its Liebensraum and yep. taking on the Soviet Union yeah. in the East. And the South is all just completely protected, and particularly the oil fields at Ploesti, which is its only, Germany's, Nazi Germany's only source of actual real oil. And Mussolini is very happy with that because he's also quite worried that Germany might have designs on southern Italy anyway. And so this one, you know, it's better to better to, you know, have him have your your potential enemy as your friend rather than as an out and out enemy. And also enables him to sort of get on and do what he wants to do. He has these delusions of grandeur. He goes into Greece. That's a collapsing catastrophe. He yeah. then pushes into Egypt, and Egypt is a British protectorate, so it's not actually part of the British Empire. But there is a deal by, whereby Egypt allows. Um, a very, very strong British presence, and including a military presence there. Yeah. Um, um, having declared war on the 10th of June, 1940. Yeah. And the British think, well, hang on a minute, we're not going to put up with that. And so they counterattack, uh, which is Operation Compass, which is launched in December 1940. Yeah. And they absolutely rout the um, Italians, taking 133,000 prisoners uh, and basically destroying two Italian armies, which are in Libya. And Libya is a, is a colonial possession of Italy. So suddenly the war is in Egypt and Libya. And Germany now thinks, oh, my God, you know, um, the Greeks are beating the Italians. Yeah. Um, the British are beating the Italians. My southern front is no longer safe. I need to go and rescue them. So yeah. he sends over Rommel in February 1941 with two divisions, the 15th and the 21st, I think it is. Um, uh, or, the, or is it the 15th and the, and the 90th life? I can't remember. Anyway, it doesn't really yeah. matter. The point is he sends them over with two and then subsequently three divisions, which then become the, the Deutsche Afrika Corps. Um, and of um, legend, because of after legend. all, after all, we 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 the, the part of the desert war enters a sort of the legendary phase of the Second World War, where people have got nicknames. The allies, um, the allies, inadvertently big up the German opposition. All this sort of stuff, and enters the enters the sort of mythic realm of the of yep. the story of the Second World War. Um, so, but but and so so at this but, point, but, yeah, go on. But there's a counterpoint to this, which is that the, the British the British way of doing war over the over the last couple of centuries has been to try to get your enemy, your European continental enemy, to come and fight you in places of in places that are easier for you, more convenient for you to fight him than for him yes. to fight you. So so this 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 kind of fighting actually suits the British imperial um, uh, mindset. Which is that you get the Germans to do something that's at extreme arm's length from their normal, from their comfort zone, you know, from from, from where they're able to, to to supply operationally easily, and you with a great big navy and after all sources of soldiers from all over the world, which is after all the point with 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 Eighth Army is it is a duke, it is a Dominion's UK and Empire formation, you know, with soldiers drawn from east, from the east and from the south and from all over the empire. But actually, it, it fits the British imperial model of fighting the Second World War, yes. or fighting war, full stop. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, don't, you don't mind if the Germans are determined to ter 
turn up and waste themselves on you in North Africa. So there is this. So so there is a you know there's a, not an element of convenience, but there's an element of str- sort of strategic um, uh, dovetailing. I, I think you can. I could, yeah, dovetailing definitely, and and obviously. Um, it's much easier for troops from Australia, New Zealand, South exactly, Africa, exactly, exactly. and India to get to um, the Middle East than it is to get to, to Britain. To get them to, to Britain, yeah. So, so, yeah. so that that works in Britain's favor. Um, yeah. In favor. Now, one thing that's really important to say uh, and say right from the outset is this is not about Middle Eastern oil fields at all. No, Middle Eastern oil fields are not pumping out vast amounts of oil in the way that they 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 do subsequently post war. Um, the leading oil producers in the world at this time are the United States and Venezuela, the Dutch East Indies. Yeah. And um, and and Baku in in Azerbaijan is in the Soviet Union is is the third and third by by a little yeah. bit of a distance. Yeah. So so Middle East is way down. All the Middle East oil fields are doing are supplying oil to the Middle East war effort. Yeah. It's not doing it. So you didn't have it. You wouldn't need it. Um, yeah. So it's not crucial for Britain's survival in the war or anything like that. There, yeah. you know, Britain's strategic survival does not depend on Egypt or the Middle East at all. No. It's jolly useful to have it, but it's not. Dependent on. Whereas fighting the Germans and getting the Germans to to waste them, a trip themselves in the yes. in the desert, dovetails strategically with the British way of looking at things and their ability to do things. So yes, but at so, the same time, they're, they're well, hoping to to just have to take on the Italians and not the Italians. Either. Yes, I of course. Uh, well, well, of course. But 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 I think what's it what's interesting is is because of that because that's the British attitude to it. The sort of the the. It, it compounds the sense of disaster, I think, for for um, particularly in particularly in Westminster, particularly for you know the arch imperialist himself, Churchill. Is yes. he? Is he knows that this is the, you know because Ch- Churchill's Churchill's historic sense is all about you know dis, what what we, what we call descents, you know, amphibious landings on faraway places, and you'd get the French to fight you the other side of the world, and because you had a better naval capability, you'd get the French basically to to wear themselves out in faraway places. And so he's yeah. thinking, Churchill's very much thinking in those terms. So when it's not well, working... Well, you know, his great, 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 great grandfather is, is John Churchill, the first Duke of... Exactly. And, and, and uh, uh, so, so when it's not going well in the desert, and also the British army, the compass is a great success, um, but as you pointed out, the, the, it's just the Italians. Compass is a great... The, the, the British fighting, who are hugely outnumbered, and that, you know, that speaks to... Like actually, tactical acumen on the part of the British Army. Although the British Army in 1940 is with with a territorial influx in in France, the British Army in 1940, late late 1940, is a professional army. By 1941, it's a, a much more conscript army. By 1942, it's unrecognisable in relation to the army that was around in 1940. Yeah. So that's one of the other things that's gone on. In this, but what in you this- do see, yes, you're absolutely right. But what you do see with the Western Desert Force, which is the 36,000 yes. strong force under under Dick O'Connor, yeah. which, which routes the Italians in, in late 1940, beginning of 1941, is most of those are professional soldiers. You know, yeah, yeah, people the, who've, who've come it. from India, they've come from wherever, but but you know they are, you know, they're old soldiers. They've been around the block. They're all motor, they're for the most part, completely motorized as well. Which is what yes. the Italians aren't, so they run rings around them. They're yeah. very flexible, tactically well, and, very flexible and it- as well. And, and this thing has its roots in 1938, yes. when Percy Herbart is sent out to to galvanise mobile yes. farce, as it's known, um, yes. when he gets there. Yes, yes, good point. And he, good. he yep. trains them, and he gets yep. them some... I mean, it's, what's interesting is some of the bad habits that then go into 8th Army come from then when their radios work, but their radio net to the artillery doesn't work, so Hobart's advice is 
just push on. If you can't, if you can't, if it takes the art- artillery all day to answer a request for a shoot, you just ought to push on. Yeah, and that's where, where that's interesting that some of those things come from some of the inheritance right. yes. of of uh, of you know because mobile as you say that uh, this then becomes Eighth Army eventually. Uh, but when 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 is it officially badged Eighth Army? Uh, I think it's October October um, um, late autumn September October nineteen forty one. Yeah, so so I mean, but we'll, we'll use Eighth Army as. As, as a generic term, That's generic term, for, you know, the, the way people use, Egypt and, but the way people talk about the Africa Corps when it's not always the Africa Corps, you know, it's just, a, just, it's just simpler. But yeah. by 1942, a lot of those people have been killed or injured or moved on. And yes, so but you, we should also just very, very briefly just, just tell the story, <laughs> the, the continuing story. So, so Ronald yes, comes on, over. Sorry. So the, the British have made this huge advance. They've gone through this. They've gone all into, into, um, into Libya. They've got past a brook. Then there's this bulge which includes. And places like Benghazi, yeah, um, and Sirte, and places like that. Yeah, um, before it kind of level the coast levels out again on the kind of run towards Tripoli on the kind of uh, on the western end of of, of Libya, and they've yes. got the whole of this Cyrenaica bulge of Benghazi and, and Sirte yeah. and all the rest, and they've, they've, they've pushed on. Um, Rommel then then does a small counterattack just at the moment that that the Western Desert Force is being depleted of troops because they're being sent over to um, uh, help in the the Greeks yes. against the assault by the Germans. Yes, sort of in a sort of in a mirror image of the Germans arriving in North Africa exactly. to to prop up one alliance. The, the Western Desert Force is then stripped of people to prop up another. Right, and and you know had oh, it's quite interesting. Had maybe Churchill been more had more foresight, he thought actually you know what we we we're not doing that. But you can't. But the, but the way he thinks, you can't see that happening. That's a sort of right. an, that's an that's an impossible. So so, so 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 it is the same. It is the source of. Of troops yeah. for the Western Desert Port is the same source that is then going over to Greece, which is going over to Crete and all the rest of it. And, and so that is happening in kind of sort of you know March, April, May. Yes. Um, just at the moment where they've they they've done incredibly well in in North Africa, and just at the time where Rommel arrives and then counterpunches, yeah. and pushes them back across a large part of of, of Cyrenaica, and then stops. Dick O'Connor is captured. Um, Neem is captured. Mm. Who is the other mm. senior commander? I'm put in the bag, and they spend the next couple of years in in prison war camps in in Italy. Yeah. Then the British counterattack again in June 1942, uh, 41 rather. Yes. Operation Battleaxe in North Africa, whilst at the same time having to put down insurrections in Iraq and then subsequently Iran over yep. the same period, and also fight battles in Syria, which yep. are successful um, yep. in cahoots with the Free French against the Vichy French. Yeah. Um, so all this is going on. So there's a lot of lot of draw on those Duke forces in the Middle East. Yeah. Um, and Battle Axe is, is very limited in its success. It doesn't achieve what it's supposed to do. So they then create a proper army, which is Eighth Army, um, bring in someone else, which is um, Orkinlek, who's overall commander in chief of the Middle East. Wavell, who was the previous um, commander in chief of the Middle East, is kicked out. They bring in a new um, Eighth Army commander, who is General Cunningham, who's done very well in East Africa, which has also been going on at the same time as well in, from, from um, the spring onwards, right up until um, the final surrender of the Italians until November 1941, I think. Um, and Crusader is launched, uh, and that is broadly successful. And they managed to relieve Tobruk, which has been under siege since since um, um, since the spring, uh, for nine months, and push Rommel back again. And yep. then Rommel, Rommel counterfrusts in January, I think it is, or is it well, February, yes. Summer, January? Yes, it's um, a sort of a, it's a reconnaissance, isn't it? And he yes, um, a reconnaissance in force. Yeah, pushes and, them back, uh, and then there is this kind of standoff for a couple of months, where the British have still got Tobruk. 
Um, and they've created a defensive line about 15 miles to the west, which is known as the Gazala Line. Mm. Um, and, and that is the point where Rommel then attacks on May the 26th. Um, and that leads to the rout of 8th Army, which then leads to the fall of Brooklyn on the 21st of yeah. June. It's, the uh, problem is, go on. Well, it's the, a, an incredibly torrid month, that. And, um, uh, yes. Uh, uh, and what, what Rommel's able to do is, is because 8th because Army are dispersed, essentially, and uh, yes. along this line in boxes, it, yeah. Boxes. Even though he, even though he's outnumbered, and even though arguably he's outgunned, he's able to deal with each part of Eighth Army piecemeal in penny, packets. in penny packets, wear them down, destroy them. In a way, it's it's sort of it's sort of um, you know, th- there's a kind of pattern with this bo- sort of box warfare that then moves to the jungle for the British and is incredi- incredibly successful. But the boxes are bigger and have more critical mass and are able to. Be re- more resupplied. So, so, so we should just explain that the, bo- the box is a concentration of infantry yep. on the ground, surrounded by vast numbers of wire of, of wire entanglements and mines. Yeah. And the problem yep. is, is they're not connected. And then what you do is you have your you have your, so you have your defensive line, which is sort of you know sangers and and holes in the in the ground where your infantry are, are dug in with machine guns and mortars and all the rest of it. Yeah. Surrounded by mines and wire, and then you have one box, then you have the next box, and the, these these might be separated by a number of miles. Yes. Apart. So they're, they're, they're not really mutually supporting because you've got these minefields and wire entanglements in between. And then what you have is you have the mobile forces, in this case, the 7th Armored Division, 7th Motor Brigade and all the rest of it, yeah. you know, the, the component part of the 7th Armored Division, behind sort of floating around. And they're yeah. your mobile reserve. And they're supposed to kind of then exploit points that get attacked and, and, and give you that sort of extra motorized yes. firepower. The problem is, and, and I think Chiku is absolutely right about this, is he says, well, hang on a minute. You've got Tobruk here, which were, which managed to hold out with very, very inferior forces for nine months against everything that Rommel could fling at it. Why don't you just reinforce Tobruk and create a, a, as a lines of Torres Vedras? Because Rommel can't go beyond beyond um, Tobruk very far without turning to deal with it, because otherwise you'll break out of Tobruk and cut his supply lines, and he'll be isolated. So you just can't. And you say, what, what is the point of this 40-mile front line, the Gazala line, of boxes separated by distances and your floating reserve? It just makes no sense whatsoever. Mm. But even though, um, even though they do have this line, Rommel cuts through between the bottom of the line and there's a sort of 10-mile gap between them and the free French of Bir Hakim, and he cuts yeah. him around it and gets him round behind. And he should have been sandwiched. He should have been the jam between two pieces of bread. Yes, because he's probably on the hammer. He is, he is properly in trouble at one point, and uh, and but 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 the Eighth Army just can't bring the pressure to bear that they need to. But also because they're because, not decisive. They're, they're, yeah, they yeah, around. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I, I, and um, it, it, it's um, I mean, it's it's very interesting. I mean, what what Tuka says about that is the extraordinary ambivalence of our commanders and their inability to seize upon the occasion can only have been due to the training they've been given, and especially to that given at our staff college in England, where the occluding clouds of 1418 hung over the teaching and settled damply on all original thought. Gideon and Scipio Africanus would have had a thin time, is what he says about <laughs> But But it's, it, it, I mean, it's, it, you know, and he says later on, excellent staff officers emerged, men capable of the highest efficiency, exemplified by such great projects as Overlord. But there inevitably came forth astonishing few capable fighting commanders for a war of manoeuvre, and that and that 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 is that is what exemplifies the desert wars. It's a war of manoeuvre. We're going to be back in a second. We're going to take a break right now. 
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm Anthony Scaramucci, former White House Director of Communications and Wall Street financier. And I'm Katty Kaye, U.S. Special Correspondent for BBC Studios. I've been covering American politics for almost three decades. Welcome to The Rest is Politics U.S., brought to you by Goalhanger. Go on, tell us, were those donations you made, like Obama in 2008, was that idealism? Were you hoping to get something out of these campaigns that would serve your own business interests, for example? So I think this will either make this podcast incredibly successful, Caddy, or people <laughs> will be horrified and they'll shut it off right now because I'm going to be very real with you. The Obama donation, I had gone to law school with President Obama. We were not classmates. I was a few years ahead of him. It was 2007. He was then Senator Obama. I had a check in my breast pocket. I went over to the senator. I said, Senator, I said, you and I didn't really know each other in law school, but I'm about to hand you a big check. Can I lie to my friends and tell them that you and I knew each other in law school? (laughs) Well, Obama looks at me, had the best smile in American politics since Jack Kennedy. Forever. Yeah. He lights up. He looks at me and says, I'll tell you what, if you double the amount of the check, we'll take it back to Hawaii, okay? And I looked at him. I said, you're done. I had another check in my pocket. I ripped it up. I doubled the amount of the check. And I'm going to tell you right now, I've been to more White House Christmas parties during the Obama administration than the Trump administration. In this pivotal year for the United States, democracy, and world affairs, Britain's biggest podcast, The Rest is Politics, is launching stateside. Uncovering secrets from inside the Biden and Trump inner circles and how they shape the world's most important economy, but also the global economy too. New episodes are released every Friday morning. Just search The Rest is Politics US wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to We Have Ways of Making You Talk About the Battle of El Alamein. Um, <laughs> <laughs> with me, Al Murray and James Holland. Um, can we, before we go, because it, we, we got to the point where what, what the desert war is a war, is a war maneuver. Can we talk about the environment? Can we talk about what the desert's like? Yes. What it's, yes, like, being, li, li, what yeah. it's like being a soldier in North Africa in, in 1942? Because this is a, after all, this is a terrain that, um, 
the British have practised for, uh, because after all, you know, the, the Western Desert Force is a thing, that and they're based in, and, and you know, the, the, the Alexandria, the British, Egypt is a protectorate, isn't it? Um, yes, it's, it's not. Yeah. It's not officially in the British Empire, no, but you know, not. old chap, they're no. they're going they're going to do as they're told. Um, yeah. And and the British Army, of course, has embro- been embroiled in Palestine in the late the, the, the last few years of the nineteen thirties, doing uh, counterinsurgency and all that sort of stuff, doing his doing doing his normal job of um, trying to keep the lid on the empire, basically. And but but the desert in nineteen forty two. Well, first of all. The topography of the thing um, it, it is very yeah, interesting. So, well, it, it, yes, yes. So it's 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 fascinating, and I, I've I've been lucky enough to be out there a few times, and 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 it really is. So along the coast, basically, you're really talking about the coast uh, yeah. of, of Libya and and of Egypt in the Western Desert. You you can go down, you can go further south, but then it sort of descends into kind of sand seas. Um, you know, in the famous yeah. dunes and all the rest of it. Um, I yeah. mean, I've been to um, the Sea Where Oasis, and it's extraordinary because you know you, you drive and drive and drive, and then you suddenly drop off this plateau, which is you've been going along for 120 miles, um, and, and suddenly there it is, and, the, and it's absolutely as you imagine in the Beauges film, um, yeah. uh, and books, you know, the sort of palm trees, and suddenly this sort of splodge of green, and then beyond that, it is you know, it is the sand dunes that we've all seen in the English Patient and you know ever hmm. tinted novel, you know, tinted books and all the rest of it. Um, and so it's at the top, though, and particularly along the western end of Egypt and into the kind of entrance of, of Libya, you've got this huge escarpment which overhangs yes. the sea. And, and this is the, you know, the border is the Hellfire Pass around Saloum and, 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 you know, about kind of 40 miles from, from Mercer Matru. You've got these tiny little ports along the, along the coast. And even at Mercer Matru, you're coming off the plateau. And there's a long sort of dip that runs down to the port town. It's just like a road off the main road, and yeah. and there is this there is this one single road that kind of runs along the north of, of, of Libya, which is built by the Italians, and also a railroad as well, a railway as well. Yes. Um, and, and the Alamein, for example, is is a railway halt along the, it's the yes, it's the halt, it's the stop. Um, and so most of the fighting is happening within kind of twenty five miles of. Of, of the coast and occasionally a bit further deep inland, you know, kind of 40 miles or whatever. But but it is this space and it's a kind of sort of high plateau. And for the most part, it, it, it varies between kind of sand and, and vetch and sort of stony scrub. So it's not complete. It's not it's not just sand. It is it is stony. And it's when you stony. look down at the sands, whether you whether you go to whether in uh, in Libya or whether you're in, in Egypt, you look down you any anywhere you go. You'll see little sort of vetch and stuff, little plants all over the place. But you'll also see, um, you'll pick up a stone and you'll see uh, fossilized shells everywhere. Yeah. Um, wh- which is interesting. And then you also get these little wadis, you know, you get these little sort of dried riverbeds and stuff. So you, you might, you, it might look completely flat, then suddenly it will just drop about, yeah. it might be three foot, it might be six foot, it might be 10 foot. And there's this, this little steep little cliffette of sort of sand and stone. Into which you can put a gun or a mortar pit or infantry or, or, well, or whatever, or hide your 88 millimeter. And, and that, that helps because it's very hard to dig in in this terrain, isn't it? Most very hard to dig in. It's hard, unyielding, dry ground gen- generally, isn't it? Rocky. Yes. Uh, you know, there are places where it's sandy. And of course, the point is, is there is, there is the, the impassable desert to the south. Yes. Although in the Second World War, places that get labeled as impassable tend to then get passed through. 
and people are caught with their trousers down by you know the the, the Ardennes is impassable. Well, yes. I know it's not, but 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 so essentially, there's a sort of there's a sort of a rev- there's two ceilings on the on the battlefield um, yes. in, in the desert, and that 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 um, the drop off into the desert sort of loops down, doesn't it? Curves down south the yes. further um, the further west you get. Um, you are kind of you, you do want to be near the coast because that's where the road and the railway are, and yeah. these these are your main arteries. But you obviously you can you can you know you can go inland and stuff. But I mean, if you if, you know you're looking on your Google Maps and stuff, yeah, and you're looking at at, at Surti, and then you're looking at um, um, Cyrenaica, and then you're looking at you then look at the Bulge and um, look at sort of well, you know, if you look at sort of Mercer Matru, you can see yeah. that high plateau. Yeah, you can see it running all along, and that is about. 25, 30 miles, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, and, and City Barani and all these sort of places and Saloum and, and the Hellfire Pass. It's yeah. a really, it's really pronounced that, that, that escarpment at the Hellfire yeah. Pass, which then becomes known as Hellfire Pass. And yeah. Um, I mean, life in the desert is also, is also, it's very clean on one level because it's, you know, it's, it's very dry air. It doesn't rain very much. Mm. Can get ferociously cold in winter at night. It's very, very cold at night, and night and night falls like that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, One minute it's daylight, the next minute it isn't. Um, yeah. It's you know, dusk and dawn happen very, very, very quickly, um, and, and people are always getting caught out by this because you think mm. it's still darkness, and then suddenly it's dawn. Yeah, it's like illuminated. That. Well, yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. and, and, and th- th- this sort of lack of cover, or arbit- I mean, it's it's not a lack of cover so much; it's sort of arbitrary cover, isn't it? That the land is. The land is quite hard to read, as you say, Jim, because places yeah. just dip and drop in unexpected ways. Yeah, um, this is why Eighth Army, um, uh, and certainly by the end of the year, uh, uh, doing night attacks because there's no cover. Because because yeah. go going fighting at night affords you some cover at least, the cover of darkness. Because fighting in daylight, they can see you coming yeah. miles off, literally. Yeah. Everyone's expectations about how they're going to fight, and German expectations of how they're going to fight, are also you know stood upside down by the terrain because the terrain uh, uh, forces you into a war of manoeuvre because you can't hold fast anywhere necessarily because it's yeah. so hard to dig in. This is why the boxes, the Gazala line, is so mystifying. You've got a you've got agree, a yeah. part of the world where actually what you need to do is be able to manoeuvre because manoeuvre is really your best. Option. Yes, but it's also why Tobruk is such a good place to base yourself. Yeah. And yeah, you yeah, create yeah, lines yeah, yeah. of Oris Redras ar- ar- yeah. around it. The, you know, these defensive rings around it, which are already there from the previous yeah. year, but yeah. you reinforce them a big one because you've got your backs to sea, which means you can always bring in supplies. So yeah. your supply chain is going to be really, really good. Yeah. But if you're, may, even if you're surrounded. Um, uh, and on the question of supplies, um, uh, if you're uh, in, uh, in the African Corps and if you're in the Eighth Army, who's eating better? Who's got Better yeah. cigarettes. Who's yes. got more petrol? You know, how's that? How's that all squaring off? The jeep forces are getting much better rations, generally speaking. Um, the Italian rations are are absolutely despicable. Yeah, um, uh, and are terrible because, of course, they're broke and they just don't have enough of anything, and they're really, really bad. Unless you're kind of sort of very wealthy officers and stuff, in which case mm. you can um, supplement them with yeah. greater supplies. Um, but everyone's getting enough to eat, you know. No one's no one's starving, you know. But they're very basic, very repetitive. Lots of hardtack biscuits, lots of yeah. things that don't roll. Everything's in tins. 
um, you know, it's it's all made over primer stoves, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, you're yeah. making, you're boiling tea. You know, the British get very, very adept at boiling tea. The Germans get very adept at boiling ersatz coffee, um, which you, is sort of you, ground hazelnuts and all this kind of stuff. And you make tea with a biscuit tin. You put sand in the biscuit or, tin, or, 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 a, or a flimsy, which is a which yeah. is a five gallon ta- um, can. You, yeah. you put, and I've I've done this. It works really. You put sand well. in it. Put petrol in the sand. Set light, light to sand. Water boils instantly. Well. Pretty much, you know. It's Pretty much instantly. And you, and you, and you, you do it at the drop of a hat. And you put lots of condensed milk and lots of sugar in because... Yeah. And the, lots of tea leaves, and that hides the... the Sterilisation in the water, because it's just the water, is, the water is completely unpalatable otherwise. Because yeah. although the, the desert itself is clean, men are not. You're given a daily water a, lot, a, a ration, but but some of that goes to the cookhouse, so that goes into your, yeah. into your, into your um, platoon cooking ration. So you don't get... I can't remember how many pints a day it is, but basically, but you wash yourself by well, it's up to you. But you start by cleaning your teeth, yeah. Then you, then you, you know, wash behind the ears, armpits, uh, your your bum last yeah. probably, and then the wastewater goes in the radiator of the of the of the van or the truck you're with, yeah. Uh, because water is absolutely precious. There are flies everywhere. That's the, the well. The, the, not all the time, not all the time, and not absolutely everywhere. But wherever there has been fighting, there are. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, uh, for obvious reasons. So if you're roaming, you know, if you're if you're roaming around in Seven Motor Brigade, for example, you, you'd probably get, you know, you wouldn't be quite so pestered. If yeah. you're in an infantry box, you're absolutely gonna. Have it. And and yeah. you know, these flies just absolutely everywhere in their thousands. You literally can't eat without. About having them all over the place, and and it's yeah. very interesting because when you look at black and white photographs of the North African campaign, you don't see them. You cannot yes. see the flies anywhere. So it looks incredibly clean, and, yeah. and on paper it is because of the lack of water. Yeah, but but everyone, and I mean everyone, whether they're Italian, whether they're German, whether they're British, or whether they're you know Duke, whatever they are, they all talk about these flies, and they unquestionably were absolutely appalling. And this is because of of you know, the inability to get rid of um, effluence because yeah. of rotting bodies, of course. Yeah. Um, when you can't dig, food, you can't you know, dig deep latrines. You can't dig so, deep latrines. You know, uh, uh, and so it's, it's all those reasons. The, the, oh, and these are these are fundamentals of how you organise yourself in this in this terrain, aren't they? Is, is, yeah. is the truth. The other thing is that there aren't very many people about. The reason you're fighting along the north coast is because the north coast is the nodal point because yeah. there's one road. There are, you know, there there aren't there aren't towns with major crossroads that you absolutely need to capture, um, in order to be able to proceed and bring your logistic trail up. That they, they, yep. they sort of that they aren't in the way that we talk about in Italy and in Northwest Europe. You know, essential places you have to capture to open a load of roads. It, it, it's it Tobruk is important because it's a port. That's its that's its essence as a nodal point. It's not that it's you know that the next crossroads that takes you to so and so. And there aren't very many people around. I mean, there's only not, there's only like nine hundred thousand people in Libya, maximum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, hundred thousand whom are Italian because it's a colony. Um, that 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 you know you don't have towns to smash up. You no. don't have villages on hilltops to seize. There's there's none of that, which then of course adds to the idea that or the the, the aspect that this is a war, war entirely of motion because yeah. uh, of manoeuvre because you've got to get you've got to. Get to the next settlement, which is well, and the five, other thing, the other, yeah, and, and also the other thing is, is the ground away, you know. in itself is not important. Yeah, you, you know, you can, you can, and, and this is one of the things that, that they do understand, but they don't understand in quite the same way. Is that you can 
sometimes it's better to kind of you, you get attacked. It's much better to just pull back. Yeah, and pull back collectively. Yeah, and concede the ground. Yeah, and, and until you you're in a position where you can actually sort of hold a kind of a, a firm position. Yeah, and and that doesn't happen. And what very often happens is it turns into a kind of like a like a naval battle where everyone's sort of swimming around all over the place, and and, and kind of units get completely out of cohesion, and it's just a total bun fight. I mean, the it, other thing it, is also about it's just that it's just the is is just the nature of of existing in this environment, which is yes. completely alien to almost everyone who's fighting. You know, whether you be Italian, whether you be German, whether you be Indian, whether you mm. be New Zealander, or whether you be British or or whatever, it's a very alien environment. A- and so, very quickly, new new recruits coming in have to just slot in because because yeah. man is incredibly resourceful, and the men there are very resourceful, and they work out what works in the desert and what doesn't, and the sort of yeah. cultural rules that you have to kind of obey. Um, that that come up very quickly and and you know eighth army speak for example is just laced with with indian words and arabic words yeah. you know jaldi igari yeah. you know yeah, all yeah. these words that are kind of you know it's all sort of hobson jobson dictionary stuff you know because the base of it is people from the indian army british yeah. troops are from the indian army in the first place yeah so it's all that kind of stuff so there's all the lingo that goes in um which inevitably you get wherever you wherever you are but it's, it's peculiar to eighth army there's yeah. a kind of sort of relaxation of 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 look because you can't really clean your you know you clean your stuff by kind of pouring petrol over it and leaving mm. it out in the sun. Um, there's there's things you learn um, you know in the eight farming, particularly in seven farmer division, for example, the, the thing to do is to have a white watch strap, which you then yeah. have to get filthy. Yeah, you know because if you've got a dark watch strap, that's just not you know just yeah. the kids and and if it's if it's looking too white, then obviously you're too much of a new boy. You're green, so, yeah. you know, and it's, a, and it's a kind of sort of reap du passage that you have your 30 watchers. The British army's focused on Western Europe and suddenly finds itself fighting in North Africa. Although, as we've said, this is an imperial force, so it's sort of factored in. I mean, what are dysentery rates like? And, you know, how... Yeah, a, 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 and desert sores. Yeah, desert and, sores are a big problem. Desert sores are a big problem because there's just not enough antibiotics at this point and there's just sort of basic cream. And, and what happens because you're, you, you know... This is why I always kind of think the British idea of having giving everyone shorts is just insane. Yeah. Because you're more likely to get scratched, and then you get scratched, and then then you get the desert sore. You know, it's, yeah. it's it's a it's a scratch not healing or a bite not healing. So the yeah. more you cover yourself up, yeah. the more you're not going to get scratched. So I've never really understood the kind of the short thing. To be perfectly honest, although obviously you know, it's piping hot and stuff, but sometimes it's cooler to have some light baggy cotton on instead. well and it keep, keeps you from being sunburnt as well yeah I mean, all those things i mean it's, it's just, it, it but, is but, it is very very odd isn't it yeah it's really weird is it someone thinking well we'll we'll save a yard of cotton yes it's per that leg? And, it, and it's a it's an old colonial throwback isn't it? You know, yeah. because you you know in the old days you know you can go to foreign hot foreign climes and you you know it's very controlled you know you you, you do your training in the cool parts of the day and you know you're not out too much and you can clean at the end of every day you're not you're not expecting people to spend weeks on earth you know, weeks on at a time, up in the blue as the desert is called. Yeah. I mean, know? the interesting thing is the people who can pick their uniform in the desert wear trousers. They always do, always do. You know, uh, uh, and it makes good sense. But I'm conscious that we've um, we, we should talk about what happens after Tobruk. And, and well, I and well, I just think I just think sometimes you've really got to talk about what this place is like, and also why you've ended up with this sort of war of manoeuvre. Because I think what's really interesting is is that. You know, when you look at what happens in Burma in '42, there's a sort of the, the British lack the imagination. They hold on to places mm. rather than rather than try and fight the Japanese, destroy the Japanese. The bit of that mindset is what's going on in the summer of 1942. The British think we have to hold on to this place rather than defeat the enemy. 
destroy the enemy where we find him. And the because bo- the the boxes fail because they're like a territorial attempt to control the yeah control a battlefield right. to control a battlefield that's uniquely suited to maneuver warfare. This is the peculiar. You know, all the tank heads who who've been spending the thirties going what what we need with tank armies is great big thrusts and uh, uh, cavalry charges equivalent to and all that sort of thing. They finally got their sort of literally a sandbox. To, to try this thing in, and yet, and and yet they get wedded to this idea that they're going to do these these boxes that are meant to be mutually supporting but aren't, and yeah. can't be, and yeah. and morale is also rock bottom, and that's how we end up with Tobruk falling on Midsummer's Day, June the twenty first, nineteen forty two, and we'll be back with another episode of our El Alamein week soon. That was an epic piece of radio DJ linkage right there. 